Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Cognition & Co. podcast, Psychology in South Africa. I'm your host, Dylan Benyon, and on today's episode, we'll be completing the series that we started in the last episode, all about the Master's Mentorship Network. Like I mentioned in the previous podcast, in today's episode, we'll take a subjective look at the Master's Mentorship Network, according to two individuals that were paired together last year, Liesl Morris, the psychologist mentor, and Amy Davison, the hopeful Master's applicant. Let's jump right in. Welcome to the podcast today, Amy and Liesl. Thank you very much. It's been, it's good to be here. Yes, thank you so much. I'm a massive fan of the Cognition & Co podcast. I'm quite excited to be a part of it and to listen back and cringe at the sound of my voice. Very excited. Mm, well, we're happy to have both of you guys here. Thank you so much for being a part of this. As any of the listeners, hopefully, uh, have been listening, they would have seen that we had a part one to this podcast, which was kind of just me talking a lot. And uh, it was all about the Masters Mentorship Network that we run every year. So basically what we wanted to do in the previous one was just cover, well, you've listened to it, so I don't even need to say this, but we covered everything, all the logistics behind how the Master's Mentorship Network works. And uh, now we thought we'd, we'd kind of get a subjective look into it by asking the two of you guys on to tell us a little bit more about your subjective experience being a part of the the Master's Mentorship Network. Amy, you were the mentee and Liesl, you were the mentor. Let's start with Liesl. Um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, and why you decided to become a part of that initiative? Okay, thanks. Yes, um, I'm Liesl Morris. Like you said, I'm a registered clinical psychologist and I'm working at the moment in a private practice down the north coast of KZN, Salt Rock and Benito. I completed my master's, I was in the master's program in 2017 at UJ, um, University of Johannesburg. And I completed my community service while I was actually doing the mentorship program. Um, oh, wow. Yes. And the reason why I decided to become part of this program was actually a colleague during my ComServe mentioned it to me, I looked it over and I, I just remembered how much it helped me to actually speak to psychologists before my process of applying for masters and during the process of, of applying and through the selection program. So interviews and those sorts of things. And it was so helpful for me. And I was thought it might just be nice to be able to assist somebody else in that way through maybe my experience of the program and the work that I had within psychology itself. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit more. We'll get into that. But Amy, who are you and why are you a part of this? Yes, so I am a psychology student. I completed my undergraduate at the University of Pretoria, um, where I think I was made with my first bout of rejection basically because I had worked really hard I was really proud of my marks and I thought it was almost a guarantee that I'd get in for the honors program at UP which I didn't um, I had applied to the University of Johannesburg pretty much as just more of like a backup plan um, and thankfully I was accepted there and it was incredible I absolutely loved doing my honors at UJ um, and then I completed my honours and um, I think for me, you know, your honours year, everyone, all your friends and things are talking about applying for masters, uh, the process of applying and naturally I was met with quite a bit of anxiety um, and I think most students are, but I really had such negative feelings towards the, the application process and I would open the applications and I was just met with I really wasn't excited or anything like that and thankfully I had such incredible lecturers um, that I kind of sat down and spoke to them about this and I said look I don't think this is how I should be feeling I'm not sure if I'm ready um, I don't think that it's a, it's a good idea for me to apply and I think mainly it was for I didn't want to apply and have a negative first impression basically um, and yeah I think it, I needed the affirmation as well just from the lecturers to say it's okay you don't have to apply during your honours year and they really did give me that a lot of them said look it's a mature decision to really take some time and if you aren't feeling ready don't do it so my aim was to work for a year, get some experience in the field, and then eventually the following year apply for the master's program. And then again, I think we met with even more rejection because as a lot of people know, I'm sure on the journey towards becoming a psychologist, just having an honors in psych, it's really difficult to find a job. Um, so I had applied everywhere and anywhere 
And um, yeah, even if it was just like a receptionist position at a medical practice, I was either overqualified or I didn't have enough experience with medical aid. Um, but thankfully, I did psychological assessment during my honours year. And again, she was an incredible lecturer, um, one of the ones I actually spoke to about masters, but she'd introduced us to the psychometry program. But yes, and then I finished my psychometry practicum very recently in December 2020. And now I'm going to apply and hopefully get in for the master's program. Amy is also one of our mentorship facilitators for this year as well. So she is facilitating the mentorship roles um, between the different pairings once we do pair our mentors and mentees. But I think that that brings up a little question I actually had for Liesl. Obviously, I've always been the admin person, you know, doing the pairings, finding the, you know, the mentors, finding the mentees. It's easier to find mentees than it is to find mentors. I'll tell you guys that much. But I guess this is one of the first times I really get to chat to somebody who's been a mentor and just kind of, I, I want to know a little bit more about what, what you thought the role was going into it, like what your role as a mentor was and, and what it kind of shaped up to be as you went through. Like, did you have any preconceived ideas as to like, this is what the mentor is going to do? Because I look back at the emails I sent in the first two years and they weren't super descriptive. I was like, well, you guys are the professionals hopefully you'll know how to do this. And, uh, and, and yeah, I guess, I guess there might not have been any preconceived ideas as to what the mentors mentorship role was, but maybe you can uh, enlighten me a little bit. Um, yeah, no, I think because I, I saw your email and I, I think that made me a little bit nervous as well, being somebody who had was only <laughs> doing the community service saying, you know, you're the professionals, you know what you have to do. And I actually, I feel like um, I also had no real idea of what was really expected of me of what I would be doing mm. within the um, mentoring position. But I mean, I decided to go in there and just be, try and be a support or a guide through the whole process for somebody, because I, I think that is so important because a lot of the time during the process, like Amy was saying just now, you get, you get really nervous and um, stressed about the whole application process. There's a whole lot of dates to remember. You a lot of the time people are doing their honors during during the application process. So it's mm. additional stresses over that. So a lot of what I thought I would do is just to be there as a support, a person to bounce off ideas, a bit of encouragement for for the mentee, and also to encourage more self-reflection because I think during all of the stresses of the application, we can often forget to do that. We think we need to just tick a whole lot of boxes throughout the application process. But just to remind the applicant or the, the mentee about self-reflection and how, how important that can actually be. So yeah, just mainly for the mentee to know that they had somebody there that they could kind of go to if they had a question or if they just needed a little bit of support at any point during the process. That's excellent. I mean, that that is kind of what I was trying to get to with with the whole program. I didn't necessarily want to lay out a bunch of guidelines and say, you must meet on this day, you must do this on this day, go for ice cream on this day, visit Gold Reef City together on this day, um, which would have been excellent, you know, um, Gold Reef City, if you'd like to pay for our mentors and mentees to have an explorative, subjective day, please contact us on, I'm just teasing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think, the psychologist I was hoping would would understand that this is kind of like like a very low key therapy, you know, where it's like okay, cool, let's do our introductions and let me get to know you a little bit more. And if you do need help, I'm here for you. That's kind of I didn't want any mentors to be doing people's applications for them because that's just that's just counterintuitive. You know, you're going to get to 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 selections and they're going to say, but you're not, you're not Liesl Morris, you know, <laughs> this is, this is Liesl Morris's application. So I guess we didn't, we didn't really want that, but it sounds, it sounds good that you really, I know from, from chatting to you beforehand that you would often check in with Amy if she was being quiet, you know, because that's, that's a sign that maybe she is being quiet and she needed some help. So I think that's, that's really, really cool. And then Amy, did you have any sort of expectations going into this? Yeah, I think um, firstly, it was one of my expectations was definitely just to have someone to ask the 10,000 questions I had. Mm. I think I had so many unanswered questions or queries or concerns. And for me, it was it was kind of, OK, well, great. This person can kind of fulfill that role then. 
Um, and another main one, I think, was feedback. I think, I, you know, I thrive on constructive criticism or, you know, even always if it was just to say, hey, listen, am I approaching this question correctly? Am I tackling this right? Um, you know, is kind of just being able, like Liesl said, to bounce some ideas off of and, and to get some feedback. I think one of the most important things or, or one of the things that stood out so um, much during mine and Liesl, Liesl's um, relationship was when I was, I think I was writing Tux or UP's essay and there was a section in it where Liesl said to me, so listen, what was your intention here? Like, what were you trying to achieve? And we sit for hours and hours and hours and days going through our application, staring at them, that it's it's our own perspective and reality. And when I explained it, she said, okay, 100%, I get that, but this is how I interpreted it. And it was so, it was a massive like light bulb moment of, wow, okay, you know, we're submitting these to strangers. They don't know who we are. We don't have time to explain or we don't necessarily get a, a, a chance to explain unless you're invited to selections, but you, you've got to, you know, this is your first paper application and, and what they can understand of you. It's the only way that they get to know you basically, or initially rather. Um, so yeah, I think, and, and that was great for me is it was to have someone to, to provide me with that feedback. So to say, listen, you know, this is maybe how I experienced this or, or what was your goals here? Or maybe you can reword this or maybe have a look at this. And then last but not least, someone who understands. Um, and I think, you know, with Liesl saying the support, it was invaluable. It, it's, you know, I love my family so much and they try so hard to understand, but I think it's so difficult for friends and family who don't go through this process to truly understand what it entails. The emotions around applying are, yeah, I mean, anyone who, who's applying will know it is. And just having someone that's also a professional, you know, they are psychologists that can actually, like you say, Dylan, provide that therapy to say, you know, don't worry, or, or to help you with those emotions of going through the application process rather than just the actual content. Um, and yeah, all my expectations were met and even exceeded. That's amazing. That's very, very good to hear. Um, Lisa, I might steal you for my mentor to next year. Don't you dare. <laughs> this year. Don't you dare. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is this is something I don't think I put on the list of questions, but obviously you two having formed a relationship with each other now, having been mentor and mentee, and having done this and been stayed in contact for the last year, I'm guessing, that's I think when I paired last year. You know, would, would Amy, would you consider using Liesl as a referee report or a referee for you um, going, going forward this year? And Liesl, is that something that you'd be open to doing? Yeah, so 100%. And I think that was also one of the things that I thought about in terms of how your mentor helps you and things and, and also for further mentees, which we'll get to. That it's definitely something that, you know, if you, if you put your heart and soul into it and you're fully invested, that you can form a relationship where you can possibly get a referee report, you know. And I think a lot of people struggle with those of who to ask. Do they have someone that knows them well enough or a professional? Some universities want a, a, a psychology professional to write your referee report um, and definitely I think just in the conversations Lisa and I've had I think I've grown so much and, and she'll often tell me she you know especially recently when we've had conversations she said you know you've really grown a lot since we first spoke um, which for me is such a massive compliment I think it's it's I believe it and I've seen it but for someone else to recognize it is just amazing it, it reaffirms all of those feelings so yeah definitely I would really want Liesl to be a referee for me if she's willing. <laughs> Let's hear the answer um, to that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't really considered that when I, when I joined this, this program and, and thinking that that's what could develop from a relationship with, with a mentee. But I mean, I have, I've known um, Amy now, it will be almost a year now, and we've not only covered the applications and the application process, there has been an involvement with other aspects of her life and other aspects that helped her grow and develop throughout last year, which I mean last year in itself was a difficult year. So um, I, I mean, I would, I wouldn't mind doing it, especially knowing that I've known her for at least a year. And I think yeah. that is important to have had that relationship and had the time to get to know the, the person that you're going to write a referee report on, to be able to have seen that growth or seen how they actually approach things within their life and maybe difficulties that they might face. 
because that is quite essential when writing a referee report is to be able to see that and to be able to see how they engage with things in their life. But yes, now I would be I wouldn't mind doing it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for for a lot of people starting out, maybe this year, you know, they might be looking for a referee in their mentor, and I wouldn't necessarily say that it would be the best thing to jump in. You know, you've only known the person maybe for like two months or so by the time you start doing applications and start asking those questions. But certainly for any individual that maybe hasn't gotten through the first year and is is trying again, you know, now they have this this decent standing relationship should they have used the program sufficiently and and built that relationship adequately but they they then can ask the the question can you be my referee and that person can say yeah. you know this this is we've known each other like you guys we've known each other for a year now and i have seen some growth specifically within the field of psychology and your ability to be, be a trainable student so it does also open to that which is not necessarily one of the reasons why the the whole program was started, but it certainly is an added benefit for anybody that would like to be a part of it. Yes, I, I think it's quite important because like Amy was saying, when you're trying to think about all of the different referees or people that you can ask to be your referees, a lot of the time people get stuck. Yeah. Um, particularly those who might have been studying throughout and haven't really been able to develop work relationships because they've been studying undergrad honors and then they're wanting to go into masters yes there's there's maybe relationships built through volunteership and um, other groups but it can be a little bit stressful when you are trying to think of an appropriate person to to be able to ask for for a referee yeah for sure and especially those individuals who have studied through distance universities yes. and they don't actually know any of their academic uh, peers you know so going to going to uh, like unisa and saying hey can somebody write me a referee report they're going to say we don't we actually don't know who you are you know we know what your marks are and like you might be an excellent student from that perspective but understanding your suitability for a clinical or counseling or whichever program uh, is difficult to to judge when you're not actually interacting with that person on a more personal uh, schedule. Yes. Speaking of schedules, how sort of often would you guys talk to each other? Did it start off a little bit slower and did you contact each other more or how, how did that really work? Who, who decided that as well? Who decided this is how often we can talk? There wasn't necessarily, you know, I initially sent Lisa an email. So once we were paired, I sent her an email and kind of just saying, this is who I am. This is the universities I'm hoping to apply to, the program I want to apply to or for, um, and a little bit about me. And I tend to write very lengthy emails. So sorry about that, Lisa. It was probably like three pages, but <laughs> you could be a bit more brief. You don't have to go into as much detail as I did. And then I sent her my number and then Lisa contacted me, I think, on WhatsApp. And then initially, I would say it was probably a little bit, we spoke a bit more frequently um, because a lot of the applications were opening and I had quite a bit of time on my hands because of COVID and also not having a job. So I really, I was lucky. I was in a good position where I could really spend a lot of time on them. And I think maybe the the negative side of that is I had almost too much time because now I was thinking and overthinking and rethinking and asking way too many questions. Um, but yeah, and then I think in terms of like a schedule, we never really discussed, okay, we're going to chat on this day and when this happens and this time. I know Liesl had a really busy schedule, but she was incredible at fitting me in or she would always just say, okay, I'm available here. Or she, I would, she would send me WhatsApp in the evenings um, or voice notes, or we would have Zooms um, when I needed to discuss a few more things. Or sometimes when I wanted to go into a bit more of a in-depth conversation then we'd schedule to have a Zoom. But yeah, we didn't necessarily follow a strict thing. And, when, and like you said in the beginning, you know, after chatting to us, sometimes I would be a bit quiet because I was so nervous. I didn't want to bother her. I knew she was really busy. And by her, you know, stepping in and saying, hey, are you okay? Like, how's everything going? What's going on? You know, how are the applications going? It was such a, an incredible feeling for me to say, okay, like this person really cares. You know, she's really worried about what's going on and that I'm okay. And that also gave me the confidence to reach out when I needed to. Cool. Yeah, I think that's that sums it up quite well. Because I think, Liesl, for you in particular, or for the psychologists that want to be involved in this, a lot of them are concerned that this is going to take up a lot of my time. Do you feel like it did? No, I mean, 
Because, I mean, I was doing this, it started off while I was doing community service, which is is a very busy year. So Mm. I was initially a little bit worried about that too, um, trying to fit in time and being able to be there enough for the mentee because I didn't want to agree to be part of this program and then not actually be able to provide the support that was needed. Sure. Yeah. So actually it wasn't so bad because like Amy said, um, there was initial contact via email and then, then we chatted it quite a bit on WhatsApp. So it was just every now and again, having a bit of a check in message, a voice note in the evenings when I, when I had the time to respond. And then, you know, every, every now and again, we would schedule maybe an afternoon or an evening um, when my schedule wasn't as as busy when it came to report writing or those sorts of things, you know, I, I didn't feel like it, it, it took too much of my time. I felt like I was able to schedule it around my schedule and what was happening in my life. And Amy was also very, very good there in terms of allowing me to be able to provide her times and then to letting that fit in with her schedule. Mm. Yeah, so I, d- I don't feel like it, it took too much time because she was also fine with me just responding when I could, not expecting me to respond within an hour or within, like sometimes I might respond within a day or, or, or that sort of thing. But it, it, it still worked. And I think you can still fit it in within your schedule, um, especially with the technology of today, being able to do things like voice notes when you've got five minutes to spare in the evening. I'm so glad to hear that, obviously, because like like a lot of people so far for this year have said, oh, you know, I'm pretty busy. Like, I don't know if I can fit in a whole, you know, student extra in my in my schedule. But it's it's nice to know that this is, it's less formal than I think a lot of people think. It's, it's more informal and more of like, it can just be a voice note. It can be a, an email once in a while. Um, and the students are very understanding, I would hope, of the boundaries because they're, they're students trained to understand what boundaries are. So when the psychologist says, listen, uh, you know, I can do this maybe on Sundays only. So message me Sunday afternoon and we'll have a conversation then. Like, hopefully, hopefully the students understand that. Yes, yes. I think what, what was a little bit lucky on our part in, in some ways was the whole pen, pandemic, which did free up a little bit more of my time because we weren't allowed to go in as much. But other than that, I mean, since this second half of the year when I've been in private practice, it's still actually be I've been able to fit it into my schedule. Yeah, if, if 2020 told us anything, it's that we can squeeze a, a Zoom meeting in our pajamas any time of the day, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so... So yeah, obviously the communication channels, email, WhatsApp, those sort of things. Uh, I know maybe in the first year, some people did actually meet up and I think that's really special, but with what we've got going on in the world at the moment, you know, it's, it's not really too possible to do that. Uh, I guess, I guess we can, if Cyril drops the, the lockdown level at some point, but in the meantime, I think yeah, it, the digital environment is, is one that's being used for therapy even. So, I mean, it's, it's absolutely perfect for this sort of relationship too. Amy, were there any things in particular that, that you were struggling with that you, you felt that, that you wanted to take to Liesl in terms of applications and selections? Was there anything that was like overly daunting that you thought, I really, really could use a psychologist's point of view on this. Sure. I think there were quite a few. And I think, you know, with my first, so this was my first year applying, or last year was. um, And I think it was a bit um, different to a lot of people's. um, And mainly, I think I had a lot of self-doubt. I honestly and truly did not believe in myself. Jan, I think, you know, this process or the, the mentorship network really helped me. Um, and I think when it came to to answering that or, or filling in the applications and going through them, a main thing was was this lack of belief. And I think I, you know, Liesl really helped me through that. A lot of the emotions that I was feeling and, you know, through, and it, it took a while because I think initially I wasn't exactly very aware of that. And I think I tried to control an uncontrollable process. You know, I only applied to three universities. This was a way for me to kind of try, you know, I didn't believe that I was going to get in. And also I was petrified of being invited for selections. I 
truly did not think I'd be able to manage. I'd listened to friends who'd gone through the selection weeks and the interviews and what they had to do. And I thought, oh my goodness, if I get invited to one of these, how on earth am I going to do this? So I think it was, was a thing for me to kind of say, well, okay, you have such a small chance of getting in if you apply everywhere, but if you only apply to three, it's almost guaranteed you won't get in, but then you can at least say that you tried. So it was, you know, a whole mix of things. And it sounds like I really, I really did need and do need a, a psychologist. And we, we're working on that. And we really are. So we, we, we're going through the motions. I had a lot of doubts with the content of my questions. So I can remember Eunice's has left like a forever, one of their questions. I think it's, I'm sure you, you've done it too, Dylan, the, it the, the boat question. one. Yes. Mm. I'm going to contact Dr. Themistoclius about this one because it's, <laughs> yeah. it's rattled my brain for years now. Yeah, and I think I, I, I honestly thought and rethought and overthought that whole question so much. And I remember sending it to Liesl and then saying, oh, but maybe I should do this and maybe I should do that and maybe I should do this. And I remember her saying to me, Amy, you need to trust yourself. Answer it how you see fit. And I think at a stage I was almost looking for her to provide me the answers, which was certainly not what was needed and exactly what she didn't do. You know, it was kind of like a, this is your, you know, I'm here to help and support you, but this is, you've just got to trust yourself. Um, so, yeah, and I think that's one thing with these, the next applications that I'm going to do this year, I'm so excited for because I learned so much and I've grown so much. And I know for a fact that, you know, I can be authentic and genuine. That was also something that I really struggled with. And I even remember talking to Liesl about it, saying, you know, everyone tells you and all the advice you hear, all the podcasts you listen to, they say, just be yourself, be genuine, be authentic. And I thought, how do we do that? You know, I didn't know how to do that. Um, and I think through working with Liesl, through going through the, the, the application process, through going through all the emotions I felt and all of that, it, it really taught me. And now I know exactly how to be authentic and genuine. And I'm excited for that. And I fully believe in myself and my capability as me, as Amy, you know, not the Amy I think they want to see or, or, or want as part of their program. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. Um, but I had a lot of confusing emotions with, with the master's applications. Um, when I didn't get in, I felt so relieved. And I had messaged Liesl and I said to her, listen, this is so confusing. And I felt guilty as well, because here I have friends who didn't get invited or got all the way through to the final day and didn't get in. And, you know, they, they truly are heartbroken. They are so devastated. And I thought, how can I be feeling relieved? Like, that's not what I should be feeling. Um, and so being able to contact her and say to her, look, I don't really know what's going on here. Like I'm, I'm a bit confused. I don't know why I'm having these emotions. And that was where the therapy part came in. You know, it was so incredible that I had someone to speak to about this, that not only understood, but that was a trained professional that could really, really help me in dealing with all the emotions that surrounded the applications where I think that, you know, this, this, although the content of the master's applications is really important, I think how you feel and react and like, like Liesl said, the self-awareness and the self-reflection around them is so much more important. Um, and the mentorship program is invaluable to, to that. You start off there talking a lot about like almost like self-sabotage. Um, and then, you know, you kind of ended off there saying, you know, that you're very, very excited for this next set of, of applications. And, you know, you've, you've worked through, I wouldn't call it trauma, but like, you know, you, you've had, you had, a strange reaction to it. And I think that just, I mean, I would love to say that's the mentorship program, but I think that's Liesl's, uh, the testament to Liesl's ability as a, as a therapist. So, so well done. It sounded like you had, you had your hands full in the beginning there, Liesl. Um, <laughs> I'm, just teasing. I'm just teasing, but it's beautiful. Like the way that you, you speak about it, Amy, and I'm so, I didn't, I didn't think that's, this program, this like wild idea I had to pair students with, with psychologists would, would have such, such a deep impact on somebody. So I'm, I feel amazing that it's doing that. Um, and it, it's because of people like yourself, uh, Liesl, that this, this can actually happen. So, uh, like so much gratitude goes out to you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I mean, I think it's also important, um, cause with hearing what Amy's talking about and how she, what she gained from this process, um, I'm reflecting on it and, and thinking, you know what, I don't feel like I actually did that much. I'm feeling <laughs> a little bit guilty that, that, it, that she's saying that I provided so much for her. 
Um, but I, I mean, I think that's also a, a little bit from me. But I think what is also important to understand is how much um, the mentee or the, the person applying can actually understand and recognize just through the application process themselves. Not necessarily because they they have somebody a mentor or somebody assisting them, but because they're allowing themselves to reflect on the process and see mm. what this process has given to them and what they can actually gain from looking at their responses and looking at their application. So in terms of what Amy was struggling with and what she actually brought up was, I think what a lot of people actually struggle with when we first approach applications, when we first approach a lot of things that are are quite new to us or or quite important to us, because this application process is so important for everybody, is that we we struggle with, like Amy said, self-doubt. Doubt that you can allow yourself to reflect on you as a person authentically and that that person, your authentic self is enough to be able to get into the master's program. Because I think we often, and I think it's because sometimes from a lot of reading of what is expected of somebody who's in a master's program, what what are they looking for in a master's student, that sort of thing. We often compare ourselves to what is expected. And then we try and project ourselves as that image. And a lot of the time, and I think what Amy also learned through this process was that by projecting and trying to be a particular person for this application doesn't allow your authentic self to be seen in the the application and in your answers. So it is important to allow yourself to be in this application And when you've actually, when you read over the application again and read over your answers to actually feel like your application fits with you and you are the person that that you are actually describing and talking about in your application. Because I think there were times, and Amy mentioned a few of them, was she read back or um, I might have read a question and then I asked her about it, um, her answers. And then she reads it and you realize that she doesn't really feel like this question is actually herself. Yes, she's answered it, but does it actually feel like it's her real self? Does it feel Mm. like it's the authentic self that is in these questions? That's why it is important to keep reading and looking over applications, not just from one day to the next, but maybe answering a lot of them in, say, March, and then looking at them a month or so later and seeing whether you still have the same view and perception of, of how you've written or answered this question. Because I almost feel like the application in itself is is a learning opportunity because they are going to ask some deep questions in there. They are going to ask you to, you know, give, give a sort of the autobiography aspect. They are going to ask you to kind of summarize what you feel has made you a, a trainable candidate for one of these programs. You know, what, what makes, what seats you in psychology and, and why do you believe that you, you are deserving of a role like this? And, and I think there's a lot to be taken from that. And I know even for myself, I mean, I applied at a number of universities last year and I was rejected from a number of universities last year. And I know that it's probably because my autobiography was more about what I do in psychology than who I am in psychology. And I think that's, that's something now that prepping now for the next year that I will look over and see as to why I wasn't authentically myself. When I try to put myself on a platter for these universities say, Hey, look at me. I rather try to show off what I did rather than who I am. And I think that's, that's where I went wrong. Yeah. And I think a lot of that comes from, a lot of both Amy and I have mentioned is that doubt that you as a person within psychology is enough. Yeah. And I, I think that is something that um, when you are applying to, to, to universities is something to um, be aware of is how much, how much doubt do you have within yourself within this role and how confident are you as an individual um, within psychology? And I think we all going to have doubts. I mean, Sure. I myself, no matter what role, beginning of masters, you're going to be quite stressed and, and doubt yourself within the masters program. 
and lack a little bit of confidence. Um, and that is why going into the applications, you, you lack a little bit of confidence. But the more you engage with it and the more you allow yourself to reflect on it, not needing to sit on it for three days on the same application, but maybe over a period of months, because that actually allows you to reflect on it properly and in more, more in depth and more on a personal level, rather than needing to get it done and having the checklist done. Amy, it sounds like you obviously had a mixed reaction to your applications and selections, feeling happy that you hadn't been selected. I know for myself, I was very upset. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's that's the sort of transference that you and and Diesel can work on. You know, the fact that you know the the feeling that you had was different to what a lot of other people feel, and maybe that shows that you know this this is something that is needed to be spoken about in a professional sort of relationship or with a professional to, to understand a little bit of as to why your emotional reaction was, was, was different to what even you were expecting. A hundred percent. And it's also when Lisa was saying like that, or you were saying it's a learning opportunity. I've learned so much going through this. And I think in terms of being happy, I think a lot of that also comes down to the fact that because I wasn't genuine and that was not any that I was sending through, I could be a bit relieved in the fact that, okay, so they didn't accept me because it wasn't me. You know, it wasn't, it was like the self-protection thing of, okay, well, it's fine. They didn't reject me because I didn't show me, which, you know, is so counterproductive as well. And I'm certainly, you know, this is definitely something that I reflect on almost daily, you know, and, and certainly something that I will hundred percent keep working with in the next applications and, and um, in with my therapist and things. I mean, we, we constantly talk about these things and, and work through them. Um, and I think, again, you know, these, these applications can sometimes be a bit triggering. And I think it's, it's important to know where those triggers are and what those triggers are so that you can work through them and sort them out. And for me, what was so important is that they're not looking for perfect people. We're not perfect. No one's perfect. And nor will you be the perfect candidate. Even that guilt with feeling relief. I've, I've worked through that. And I 100% think that, you know, now with, with presenting me and my authentic me, I'm also so much better at but if I am met with rejection, that it's okay. Um, and that these are things that we work through and it's it's part of your journey towards becoming a, bit, a psychologist. But I truly think that these experiences we'll learn and grow from and it's what we do with it in the end. It's what we do with that re rejection. It's how we tackle it. It's how we reflect and how we make that. A, we can be a better psychologist for that. And I truly think that this program, as well as my first application you know experience is only going to to better my chances or not even that but just grow me as an individual and and allow me to to learn from that and to present a much better application and a stronger application that I'm proud of and that is truly my, my own mm, that's so important I don't I don't necessarily feel proud of my last application um, and I would like to feel that this this year I think I was just a little bit misguided in terms of what I thought they wanted. And again, it's like Liesl said earlier, you know, sometimes you, you hear about this. And I mean, my, my job is to do this. What I do is the student community and, and helping people understand more about the path. And I guess I got a little bit lost along my own path. So I'm, I'm excited to apply again and put down myself, you know, when it comes to applications. And even though I don't have a mentor, I'm lucky, I'm lucky to be surrounded by so many like psychological professionals, you know, I, I deal with, with psychologists every day. Um, I think I just need to rely on that a little bit more. Mm. Liesl, do you feel like, have you learned anything from, from this process? Like, I don't want this to be a one-sided thing where like Amy gets all this benefit, uh, but you know, the, the, the mentor on the other side, I mean, you, you have been through the process you, and you've done it successfully. I mean, what, what is there for you to take away from this experience? Yeah, no, I think I have, I mean, it has definitely um, been a, a process of, I think, growth on my side as well. Like I said at the beginning, I was quite nervous. Mm. Starting out, I was in community service, wondering, can I actually assist somebody in, in this manner? And I think allowing myself as well to, to be my authentic self through my um, interactions with Amy and with helping her just engage with the applications has helped me also understand the process a little bit better and also appreciate 
that process a little bit better because I think when you're going through it yourself and when you when you've been accepted and you're going through the master's program, it's, it's, it can be quite overwhelming and it can feel like it's going really quickly and you, you fail to appreciate it sometimes. And I think this has also helped me do that is appreciate the process that I've also gone through and how much I learned from who I was before I actually applied for master's. I, I, I myself actually went and looked at my applications at the beginning of Amy's process to see what was that, ah. what did I actually write and what, how did I go about answering these questions? So it was, it was really um, good for my own self-reflections to look at who I was when I was going through this, this application process and what have I learned to this point in my life and who I am today and within the psychology profession. Um, and just through my interactions with Amy as well, I think, um, and her her engagement with the application process and the mentorship program, it's actually also taught me a lot in terms of how yeah, what what I can actually learn from her in terms of her dedication, seeing her passion for what she is doing, as well as seeing her through her process of the psychometrics, because mm. particularly through that program, I saw the the strength and the um, dedication and the passion that she has for for psychology that sometimes you you forget when you are working within within the space mm. and um, getting reminded of that and getting reminded of the different spaces and the different aspects in which psychology can actually work and and function um, was really great as well. Um, so I also just want to say thank you to Amy for for giving that to me and giving me the space to learn more about myself and my engagement with her and um, the application process and psychology in itself. Oh, thank you. I think you just, sorry, quickly jumping in there. And I, this was something I also just, I don't know if we, we discussed it um, or if it's going to come up, but a really good point there was also, you know, we spoke about what, this relation your mentorship does or your mentor does and like your relationship and what it can help with and I think especially with psychometry and with life in general you know they were I had a very non-traditional experience my practicum was quite non-traditional and when I had challenges and things you know Liesl again was the person I could turn to so it wasn't just okay let's just discuss master's applications and the emotions surrounding it it was also something that I had someone to kind of go to and say look I'm really struggling this is a challenge that's come up you know could it can you offer me some guidance or some support here um and you played an integral part of some of the decisions that I, I felt confident to take, Liesl. So thank you for that, because I don't think I would have had the incredible experience I did with psychometry had it not been for your support. So I really, I think that, you know, like you say, Dylan, what, it, this, this program is what you make of it, and it can truly, truly, truly be life-changing. You've just, yeah, I really think that there's so much more to it than just the applications. Liesl, in terms of your... Your application process when you did this, did you get in first time? I, w- I was very lucky that I did get um, in the first year that I applied. Um, I was doing my, my honours at, at UJ at the time. When I applied, I also actually didn't ap- apply to a huge number of universities. But I think for me, the biggest learning curve from my application process was my invite to interviews at WITS, which is often, I think it was my first interview process and Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from that because I I was knocked out on the first day and what I learned from that interview process and how I engaged with those interviews that actually helped me grow so much before my interview interviews and I think even before I had to no I had submitted to UJ I think it was just the way in which I ended up approaching the interviews with UJ going forward was because of my rejection at WITS, which I took quite hard. It was quite <laughs> difficult for me. But um, because of that difficult experience that I had, I um, reflected on it and I tried. I worked through it also with a therapist and try to learn from it why it was so difficult for me and what I could learn from it and how I could approach the interviews going forward differently. 
so like you said, the whole application process is a learning curve. And it was. Even rejections and even going through the selection process and only making it to the first day or only making it to the third day, you can actually learn a lot from how you have engaged with that process, first of all, and then also how you've actually felt through that process. It's so true because, you know, the universities don't particularly give feedback from a selection process, you know, and what you're saying now is that even without that feedback, the feedback actually came from inside of you, you know, you, you have enough psychological understanding to understand that, you know, the feelings that I'm feeling now, whether you're distraught or you're happy or whatever you're feeling means something. So looking into yourself, once you have been through a process like that is, is the feedback in itself. And exploring that, I think is so important. And that probably did set you up really well for your, your interviews at UJ then. Yeah. I think what it was also because I applied during my honors, um, it, I was a little bit more relaxed, I think, in, in my application process. And I think a lot of the time when a person might be applying, there is a huge amount of pressure when you are trying to apply. You've got this pressure. You want to get in. You're needing to get go forward in your, your career when it comes mm-hmm. to psychology. So you, you feel like there's a huge amount of pressure. I think it is also important to maybe work through that the, an understanding of that pressure that you might be putting on yourself um, during this process, because it can also influence the way in which you might be engaging with the applications. Uh, yes, I did have that that pressure um, during my applications, but at the same time, because it was my first time applying, you know, I approached it with, you know, if I don't get in, I don't get in. I have got other plans um, and other ways forward mm. for my year next year. And that I think can be quite, quite helpful to um, take that pressure on what you feel like you should be writing in an application, what you should be projecting within your application. The, the reason I asked about if you, in, if you got in first time is that I think a lot of, a lot of psychologists that did get in first time don't, always understand how difficult the selection process can be, especially for students that don't get in and how hard the rejection can actually be felt when you've been doing this for two, three, four, five years, like, like even I have, um, and how kind of demoralizing it becomes. In, in that regard, I think what is important to also remember is that every single year, the selection committee and the way in which the university might be approaching the applications might be different. Because mm. remember, each master's program, you are very small, but it's also what is important is that each person within that master's program actually fits with the, with the group. The atmosphere, not just the group, the atmosphere of the university. Mm, yeah, for sure. There, there are often new lecturers and staff members and everything like that 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 go that are working at the, the different universities. And with those new lecturers or the different lecturers, they might have a different approach to their university. So, for example, um, when I was in, in masters, a lot of the the staff. Um, committee is, is quite different to I think what it is at the moment mm. and because of that if I was applying now my, my chances might be quite different to sure. when I was actually applying so that's also something to remember for the applicants is that um, the atmosphere and, and the the staff within the university and what their goals are and what they are hoping for for the department also play quite a big role in the selection process. I mean, even just one one staff member, one lecturer might change the whole atmosphere of the, the psychology department. And so one year you might not fit with the atmosphere of the university, but the next you might be a better fit. And even... I know, I know it can be, it is very disheartening and can be um, quite hurtful when, when you are rejected. But to remember that it also is not so helpful to be accepted into a program that you wouldn't really feel like you're fitting into. It wouldn't actually be that beneficial for you because the master's program is a, is, is a hectic year. It's not a, it's not an easy year and it's not a year of just learning theory and learning pra- practice. It's a year of a lot of, a lot of self-reflection and personal growth also on, on the master student side. And it's important 
to be in the right space and in the right group for that process to occur. Um, no, and like yeah. you said, for you to fit in with the lecturers, but also to fit in with the group that is then selected. Sure. Because you spend like five, six hours a day with the same people every single day. And you unpack really personal and you know, really, really difficult topics sometimes. And it's important to be with the right group of people during that process. Otherwise, it can be sometimes harmful for a person or not as beneficial as it could have been if you were with a different group. Sure, sure. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the things that, that we're dealing with now, um, Amy being one of our mentorship facilitators, is that we have a lot of freshly graduated master students that are becoming mentors. So they've recently been through the process. Maybe they've, you know, applied a couple of times, you know, and then we also have a lot of people that, you know, have been in the profession for a couple of years now and would like to help the student community. And they maybe don't have as much understanding of, you know, what's happening in the, the selections processes at the moment, because maybe they went through it 10, 20 years ago. You know, what, what would you say to these individuals? Is there still something that they can bring to the table if they don't know that much about the actual selections? A lot of the time, the application process and the selection process is more than just completing the applications. And I think that that is important to understand is is that you can provide the support and the encouragement and um, the the space to provide a, maybe a different perspective or a space to reflect for that person that is applying, um, rather than needing to know the the nitty gritties of the actual application process. I mean, I know I was only in the master's program. In, in 2017, but I think because there has been quite a lot of change within UJ, I know uh, over the last three years, the application or the selection process might actually be quite different. Mm. Mm. And I, I think what Amy was also saying earlier was that for her, maybe just the engagement and in helping her understand her engagement with the questions themselves was actually the most benefit. So yes, even if you are, if, if a person has been practicing for 20 years, I think that practical experience and the experience that they've had um, through working and through practicing as a psychologist can actually provide a huge amount of insight into how they can engage with a person because um, it is their engagement. And I've, it's what I've actually noticed just during this podcast is I've, like I said just now, I felt like I wasn't really doing as much as what Amy has said that she gained from the process. And I think that is what a person who has experience can actually provide is just that space where the mentee can actually gain from that relationship. And I think we often underestimate the importance of relationship, a relationship with a person. And even, it doesn't necessarily have to be a relationship with a professional. It can be a relationship with um, another applicant that you are mm. discussing your application process with them or a friend that might be able to help you reflect on how you're feeling in that process. And I think we underestimate the relationship and the importance of a relationship rather than a person that is giving you clear-cut ideas of what you should be doing because that's actually not what should be happening because this process is personal and it, it should be actually it should be your process and your engagement with the applications themselves. Because I mean, think about individuals that perhaps study through UNISA and, and do this entire journey basically by themselves. The social aspect that you're speaking of, I think is so important. And, you know, this, this mentorship program might be the first time that, you know, somebody, you know, recently finished their, their distance learning honors and now they're going to apply for masters. And beforehand, they didn't have anybody. They didn't know yeah. who else to reach out to, maybe a Facebook page or something like that, that, you know, UNISA PYC 4813, like, Facebook page. Um, but otherwise, the actual personal connection, I think, is is where a lot of self-discovery comes from. And the more that I speak to both of you, the more I realize that this program has, has so much potential and can really reach so many people and can potentially really help people. And I didn't I didn't see it as 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 deeply as what as what it seems to actually be affecting you guys. So I'm so appreciative that 
I've had this opportunity to speak to you guys about it because it's really, it's made me become a lot more passionate about driving this forward. And I'm so glad now that I've put together a team of mentorship facilitators, Amy and, and the other four girls to, to really drive this and, and try and expand the reach even further because I, I now I'm seeing how, how important this really is. A hundred percent. And that's also, sorry, I'm like jumping in here, but I think that's also why I'm so excited to be a mentorship facilitator and having gone through this, I see the value in it. And I'm so, like Lisa had said, I'm maybe almost too passionate about it, but I really think that, you know, if, if to have this experience, um, you know, I, I hope we can reach more, more mentees. And I think just in that, you know, you get hundreds of mentee applications, but the mentor applications aren't necessarily as many. And I think even just me trying to reach out for mentors, any mentors listening, please do contact me. I would be happy to get you to sign up. Please do. But, <laughs> Shameless um, plugs. <laughs> yeah, but I think, and, and I'm hoping that this podcast will also kind of maybe shed some light on, on the roles and responsibilities, basically. And if you need it to be more formal, cool. And if you want it to be a bit more informal, awesome. Like it's kind of, you can really just guide it and, and do what mm. you need to do, you know, as the mentor and as the mentee, more so for the mentor. But it is such an incredible opportunity. And I hope that we can reach a lot more of the students so that they can have similar experiences. So I'm really hoping that after this, people can listen and, and really understand maybe what the, the mentorship network's about and sign up. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I definitely want to reach more people. Uh, our goal for this year was to get at least 50 mentors because previously we had, we had less. Uh, and I'd really like to at least help 50 students the best that I can or the best that we can. You know, it would be amazing if we got 75 or even 100. It would be incredible. We'd have to get more mentorship facilitators. So the more I think we share these things, the more that I can hopefully give more students a little bit more experience. You know, that's why Amy wanted to get involved because she had saying now, you know, she had a good experience with this whole thing and she wanted to help other students do that. And that's that's the crux of psychology here, guys, helping other people. So. So thank you, Amy. Thank you for being a part of it. And I'm so glad that, you know, you, you did want to be a part of it and you'd been part of the program before and you, you bring this enthusiasm and passion to it. And I see it in our interactions uh, on, on an almost daily basis as a mentorship facilitator. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for creating it. Ah, you know, just doing what I do. <laughs> yeah, uh, Liesl, to, to sort of bring it to an end here, what, what would you say to somebody that was interested in becoming a mentor? From a mentor, I think it can be really benef beneficial for the world of psychology, um, just being able to provide this input and the, the support for those that are keen to get involved or keen to further their studies and further their involvement within psychology. Yes, like Amy said, you it, you can determine how formal or informal you want the relationship to be. You can determine how much contact you would like to have with the mentee and the way in which you would like that relationship to, to um, develop or occur. But I think it can be very beneficial to not even, not just to assist people to get into the master's program. But I think just to recognize um, how much we can actually assist others in understanding and gaining a different perspective or view of psychology in general. Because I think particularly if you haven't had any practical experience or you haven't had any engagement with with psychology, you know, prior to a mentorship program, it, it also gives you an idea of what the relationship can be like um, within the psychology room. It gives that person the experience of what it can be like in the therapy therapeutic space. But I, I think it is a nice way to understand a little bit more about the profession. You know, it's like it's like yes. a a very like you know it's the light version of 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 shadowing because it then gives them the opportunity to gives a student the opportunity to see exactly what this is like you know i know a lot of people that when they left school they were like i want to be a lawyer then they go and they work shadow and they're like well this isn't like suits or boston legal you know so this does give a, a decent little opportunity to to explore a little bit more especially for somebody that has had very little interaction with the actual world of psychology besides just studying it you know mm -hmm. yeah 
I would hope that anybody that that was interested in listening to this and has got to to this point in this podcast and is thinking to themselves, yeah, I could do this. I'd like to be a part of this. Like I'd like to be, I'd like to help out the student community because I feel like there's there's a need to be helped there. Yes, I think what I thought was so beneficial of the the program was the opportunity to be able to assist and to be able to provide the support um, for the psychology community. I think something that that a lot of, I don't want to say professionals forget, but one of the things is that that psychology students are part of the community. Yes, we don't have registrations and we don't, you know, we can't see clients and stuff, but we are the future generation of who will be driving psychology forward in this country, mm. you know, and why not look after those? We see this in school all the time. The government always say, oh, the, the children are our future. Well, psychology students are the future of psychology in this country. So let's let's support them. If there's anything that I've learned in the last two and a half years of Cognition and Co is that there wouldn't be 7,000 students following the platform. There wouldn't be hundreds of views on the website every day. If the students didn't need help, there's definitely a need. And if I can get more psychologists involved, then, then I want that. I want, I want, I want psychology to benefit, not just the psychology students. And I think that's what we're doing here. We're really helping in a progressive way We're creating an appreciation for all of those in the psychological community, regardless of the established hierarchy, or for the betterment of psychology as a whole. And I think during this time, providing that support and that encouragement during the time when so much is online, I think is actually also so important. A lot of the students that I've had contact with in practice have had to do so much on their own at home. Mm. Within the, the psychology space, it's important to also recognize how we can assist in that space where maybe previously they might have had the support and the encouragement from their lecturers because they might have been able to see them mm. during lectures or during tutorials. But because we are in a, in a space now where there is limited contact, encouraging support and encouraging the, the guidance where you can um, and in the spaces that you can is actually so important now. Not only are people that applied for 2021 applications, they had to deal with the stresses of applying for applications. They had to deal with the stresses of applying for for masters in such an uncertain and like volatile year. If you applied during 2020, you should put it on your CV under like the resilience section, you know, because you've, you've been through a lot. You, you fought through some stuff there, you know, you've dealt with rejection during a, a pandemic. I mean, how many psychologists can say that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll start to to wrap it up here a little bit. Amy, is there anything you'd like to you'd like to say to end off? Yeah, I think just to to people applying to be a mentee, um, I think the first thing before you submit your application, just really give it some thought. I think maybe assess your current situation, your goals, and if you really feel like this is something that you will benefit from, look, I fullheartedly believe that everyone will benefit from this, but you've really got to be fully committed. Um, and if you're going to ghost your mentor, maybe consider um, not applying or applying at a stage where you you feel more committed or you, you, your capacity to be more com- committed is maybe larger, just so that then someone else um, who is fully invested this time around has a chance. Um, And then, yeah, just really take full advantage of the opportunity. We've really spoken about how much this this program can offer you. And I think just grab it by both hands and really just take take every single opportunity that it provides you with um, and enjoy the process. I think that's also something that's important. You know, I know I've spoken about a few negative things and some positive things, but it it can really be a great, great process to go through and um, hopefully more mentors. So that's all I wanted to say. Excellent. Thank you so much. And Liesl, anything from you? For those that might be considering becoming mentors, this this process can be really beneficial, not only for the mentee and how and the psychology community and you might be able to play an important role in that process for the future of psychology but also in an individual's life to allow themselves that space because I I actually learned a lot from the process and I think we we all can actually learn a lot from anybody that we can that we engage with that's so good to hear and I would encourage you to Yay. Yay. Well, thank you very, very much to the, to the two of you. Um, it's been so nice to have you both on. And this is the first time I've ever done a podcast with, with 
with two guests at the same time. So good luck to me when it comes to editing. Um, <laughs> but but thank you both for being a part of this. It's it's really been it's really been incredible. Uh, like I said earlier, I didn't I didn't realize how much impact this really had. Uh, I I had an idea that I could pair psychologists with students, and the main goal of it was actually so that if somebody does get rejected, they've they've got access to a psychological professional to help. You know, just to to everybody. Just thank you, thank you all for being a part of it, and and hopefully everybody's had a, the same or similar experiences, or or even better experiences you know like i i know amy you didn't get in for for masters this last year but i do know of of students that you know have had in the in the program that have been selected at a number of universities and had their choices and they've they've said you know a lot of it had to do with the fact that they had a mentor that they could talk this through so yeah if anybody has had a great experience drop us a message and let us know we'll we'll add it to the 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 bio of this of this podcast and a little testimonial so Cool. Thank you very much to the to the both of you. And um, yeah, I, Amy, I'm obviously glad that we get to work together this year as as yes. in your new role of mentorship facilitator. And um, Liesl, thank you so much for what you have done and what you'll go on to do. And hopefully, we'll see you as a mentor again this year. Yeah. No. Thank you very much for for letting me be part of this podcast. Um, I was I was definitely a little bit nervous getting recorded, but it's, it's gone okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so bad you see once you get into it and dylan's hands start going up in the air everyone just relaxes <laughs> thank you so much dylan thank you for creating such an incredible program and thank you liesel for being such a remarkable mentor and no one's allowed to steal you so if you are part of the mentorship program you have to be my mentor <laughs> basically if you are keen to become a mentor or a mentee, uh, mentorship, the mentor applications are open at the moment. So if you go into our website, uh, you can go to the mentorship tab and there's the call for mentors. You click on it and you fill out an application form. All it really takes is just your name, a little bit of like demographic information, your HPCSA registration number, which category you're in, and then the universities you applied at. And then if you're a mentee, you know, we'll then ask for very similar information where you will be applying those sort of things. Um, and then we we will we'll obviously do the magic later on with the pairing process. Uh, but yes, it's all free for anybody that wants to be a part of it. Obviously, it's a volunteer position for, for the mentors and for the psychology students. It's obviously a free platform where you, know, you can potentially have the same experience as what Amy's had here today. So yeah, check out the website. Everything you need to know is there. Um, I will put all the links and everything you might need in the description to this podcast below. Thank you very much. Thank you.